good issue for all women. Hello, Mickey here. Welcome to the Sunday Chops, which you might actually be listening to on the Saturday. I know, right? How maverick are we? Answer, very maverick indeed. That's right, Sunday Chops is coming out on Saturday this week because we are all about the Hockey World Cup, which starts today. And the Sunday Chops, or Saturday Chops, Sunday Chops is with the Dream Team, gold medal winning, Olympic heroes, Kate and Helen Richardson-Walsh. They came in to chat to Hannah, Jen and I about all things hockey. We also talked about being a bird in sport, about team sports, about funding and also about being gay in sport. It is a top chat. It was really good for them to come in and we had a lovely time. We hope you do too. As you already know, there were loads of other chops for you to get your teeth into. May I heartily recommend the time that Hannah and I had a chat with Dr. Susie Gage about drugs. Because Susie does a brilliant podcast with Scroobius Pip, no less, called Say Why to Drugs. So we nattered about whether Richard Ashcroft was right and whether we're all sorted freeze and whiz. If you've got a moment and you fancy helping us out, please do subscribe. If you've already done that, thanks very much. Good call then please spare us two minutes and go onto iTunes to rate and review us because it really does help. Enough of me wanging on though. You know all this. You hear it every week, but you know, we're going to keep saying it. Not even sorry. But for now, without further ado, here are Kate and Helen Richardson-Walsh. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us. This is quite exciting because I'm a bit obsessed with like all things Olympics. Are you actually? I actually am, yeah. You are gold medalists and indeed bronze medalists. So there's like four Olympic medals in theory in this room, in a way. I mean, not physically, but, you know, that's quite exciting to me. It's very exciting. Well done. Yes. Well done. Well done. You did ever so well. Also, thank you for, you know, making Britain look all right. Where do you keep them? In the bedside table. I keep mine. Do you ever put them on? Actually, I want to know about this tracksuit business. If I had a GB tracksuit, I'd just wear it to the shops and stuff. Do you ever do that? No. It's kind of like the uncool thing to do. We're I kind think. of the opposite, aren't we? Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't, do I have to put it on? Do I want to put it on? Especially when you've retired, you're a bit like, oh, okay, well, you've retired now, put the tracksuit away, love. I feel a bit like that. I feel a bit like, oh, she's got it out again. Oh, God, she's still, she's still in that mode. Do you ever wear it about the house? No, I, I get it out when I go to primary school, especially get the little ones to put them on. Oh, yeah, so yeah, look cute. You do wear it still, because I was going to ask if, if I could have it. If people, if it wasn't good, <laughs> you. Yeah. I'd like it, it so I can wear it to <laughs> Morrison's, <enough>. please. So <laughs> what is quite amusing, though, our first tracksuits are massive because they were like men's tracksuits because they obviously didn't make ladies fit back in oh, 2000. Yes, I this, oh, I remember yeah. when, when women weren't allowed to do sport because yes. of our, oh, you know, yeah. I don't know, our tiny brains or something. Sweating. Our, our, Sweating. our small physique no, couldn't Glowing. Yeah, no, I've heard about this. Our first Olympics was Sydney back in 2000 and it was all men's kit and yeah. you just had to try and order the smallest size which didn't fit <laughs> so my first tracksuit is is massive I was also a little bit bigger back then but it's yeah a lot a lot that bigger it's really yeah. really weird isn't it you have to blow your nose on those giant tissues as well <laughs> <laughs> man sized tissues <laughs> We're going to talk to you a bit about the Hockey World Cup, which is happening shortly. But first of all, I wanted to ask you a bit about how you got into hockey in the first place. Because hockey has got a bit of a dodgy reputation. As in, I think a lot of people remember playing hockey at school and, like, you know, hurting their knees on the all-weather pitch. And this, or this is my own personal memory of hockey. <laughs> what was it about hockey that you enjoyed? 
But I'd been doing uh, gymnastics and swimming when I was growing up, so all things by yourself pretty much. Like gymnastics, it's like here's how you do a backflip, go and teach yourself how to do it for an hour. And swimming, you know, you'd get the thing and up and down, you'd go in the lane and didn't really speak to anybody. And then until I went to secondary school, and then we started to play netball, hockey, rounders, and I was like, ooh, team sports, I can actually speak to people and interact with people. And I, and I just loved that aspect of it. And especially at school, like we played in the school team with girls, you would not say hello to in a normal school day. They were like, other side of the year, you know, the hard girls. And, but <laughs> you know the ones. Or maybe you were the ones. Um, no way. Wasn't, no way. <laughs> And then, yeah, but we'd all play together on this team and, you know, have each other's back and, and fight against the opposition. So it was something that I think I loved the most for me, yeah. Mm. What about you, Helen? <laughs> so I played everything when I was growing up. Um, I've got three older brothers, and so there was a ready-made two-on-two all the time. So football, cricket, hockey, tennis, played everything. My dad played hockey and cricket, and... Yeah, I think hockey was just the one. I love the team thing. Tennis kind of fell mm. by the wayside because it was just... And also you have to umpire yourselves and I wasn't really up for that. I was always kind of a bit too nice on the other side of the net. Yeah, okay, your point. And yeah, just I love hockey. It's a great team sport, but it's got all the, the skill element, which was something I was probably pretty good at. That's probably why I liked it. <laughs> It's quite interesting because you both sort of mentioned the team aspect of it because a lot of our women's teams are currently enjoying like massive successes mm. but we don't really put any money into team sports so it's interesting that that's really developing in spite of that. I know, imagine if we did put money into oh, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when Jen interviewed Judy Murray, Judy Murray said, you know, from the point of view of parents it's a lot easier for you to get your kid into sport if they are into a team sport mm, because yeah, there's a true. pre-existing structure that they can sort of join onto. Yeah, and you learn you learn so much in a team because, I mean, we both joined hockey clubs when we were reasonably young and you kind of get put in a... Well, you have to be a certain age now, um, but I was playing... Well, I joined a men's hockey club mm. when I was seven and I ended up playing in their seventh team, which was a men's team with mixed in with juniors, or boys and then me. And you learn a lot. You learn not just about hockey, but, you know, social aspects, how to mm. work together and just what playing within a team is all about. It's a great thing to be a part of, and parents can kind of worry less when, when you're part of that group. Yeah, I think it's a safe space. It's like an immediate community, like we always say. Because like lots of young girls drop out of sport when they leave school. They just they, they can't fit into their daily life. And there's, you know, there's lots of other stuff going on. But it's like if you play a team sport, you've immediately got a community. Wherever you go to university or work in the country, you can go and find your local netball team or hockey team or football team. you immediately got mm. a group of people that are like-minded, want to do similar stuff. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's, and for parents, safe space. You know, these days in particular, I think it's ideal. So you must have seen, you've obviously, you, you just said your first Olympics was 2000 in Sydney. You must have seen a lot of change oh, in the yeah. landscape between then and now. Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing how much has changed in every aspect, you know, and yeah, particularly in women's sport as a whole. It's just so much more professional now, but still s such a long way off what, what the men have and the, the history that they have behind those mm. sports, so kind of playing catch up a little bit but yeah if it if it got more input financially more support in terms of facilities and coaching as well I mean it could where women's sport can go is a long it's way to go so silly I always feel like it just seems like a no-brainer like you have literally 
you could double your revenue. Like, why aren't you investing in this? We are seeing quite a lot more coverage at the moment. What kind of impact do you think that's having? Massive. Uh, It's a bit of a vicious circle. You need the coverage to attract sponsors, but you can't get the coverage until you've got a sponsor and you start filling stadiums. So I think someone like we work with the Women's Sport Trust and I think they have campaigns to things like show up. So getting people to Mm. just go and to watch um, female sport. So if if you've got a packed stand, it already looks great. First of all, you're going to see some amazing sport. It's going to be a good atmosphere. That will attract sponsors and then hopefully broadcasters as well to want to show it. But, mm. yeah, it's it's a real bonfire. And as Helen said, it's so much better than it was, but still so far to go. Even with it doing so much better, there just seems to be a lack of respect for women playing sport and being mm. sports people. There was a news story recently to do with the Cambridge boat teams and the men were all being put up in this fancy hotel and the women were just being put in a hostel and not having flights paid for and yeah, stuff. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that, yeah. And it takes, so for the actual, for the um, Oxford-Cambridge boat race, so now it's on the on the same water on the same day, but that was because I think the sponsor, I want to say it's Helena Morrissey from BMW. Yeah, it is. Yeah. She was really like, no, you are putting it on that day, same day, same time. She really mm. fought for it. And unless somebody's going to like really just put their foot down and say, do it like this, otherwise you're not going to get our money. It, it won't change, and I, yeah, she's an amazing. Yeah, and the, the she's got nine kids as well. I How does she have time? She's growing a team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's growing, growing. Yeah. But they, the women's team, did they boycott it? Yeah. yeah. They, and that, and that's know. kind of what it takes. Like We saw the American football team, women's football team, protest against the wage difference. Because they're actually because, better and, than and the yeah, men's team. Exactly. More successful. And so that whole argument of, yeah, but you don't attract as many people to watch, is like, well, it, d- it doesn't work there, so mm. why are they getting paid less? But how sad is that, that this thing that they've been looking forward to, this event that they have trained their arses off, the mm. way they have to make a statement is not to do it? No. Yeah. It's really, really bad. And they do train because we had um, Sophie Schatzer. Do you think most of them just fax it in? No, no, no. (laughs) When we had Sophie Sophie Schatzer, who was the cox of the Cambridge Racing, to speak to us, They'd been out in like minus eight on the morning in the uh, on the river Mm. in the morning, and she she was like, it was just extraordinarily hard to do that. But that's what that's what it takes. That's what you do. Yeah, the Mm. rowers are hard. We used to train in the gym with the rowers, the kayakers, some of the wheelchair basketballers, some of the para rowers and kayakers. Just some of their training was just insane. Just mind-dumbingly so boring. Bad. <laughs> and, yeah. What kind of training goes into being a gold medal-winning hockey player, lads? Come a on. Lot. A lot. A lot of training. <laughs> Thanks, that was the answer. <laughs> Keep it simple, Helen. <laughs> Best way. Gym, lots of, yeah, we had three gym sessions a week. So there was some like Olympic weightlifting stuff, then lots of speed and agility, lots of this explosive stuff because it's basically repeat sprints, the ho- hockey yeah, game. Yeah, it's stop start, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, my word, yeah. So just loads of turning, sprinting, and being able to repeat sprints at the same speed time and time again. Because yeah. we would play probably run around five, six, seven K, depending on which position you were in. Well, we're and in. And that's kind of, well, the midfield and forwards. Uh, would only kind of do five to seven minute spells so they would be pretty much like just below top speed for five to seven minutes and they'd come off rotate and then someone would rotate on you have to be very fit but yeah we'd spend we try and do as much as our fitness in hockey training as well so get fit whilst playing hockey which is something that's developed in the last kind of six to eight years or so were you allowed to be professional when you first started? Was it a, a full paid post? I wouldn't have thought so. There wasn't the lottery funding in 2000, was there? Well, the, so that started in 97. Yeah. Oh, it's think. after... Yeah, uh, Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, when we got 
one yeah. medal. Yeah, um, awkward. But it depends what you mean by professional. So if you mean as in get paid... Yeah, could you quit then, your job because you were now no. a full-time hockey player? So I don't think we're technically classed as professional even now because no. it's a, a lottery grant that you get with that. You're not employed. Well, you're not so employed. You're like charity yeah. hockey players. So do you well, not, essentially, yeah. Do England hockey so, yeah. not have professional contracts yet? Because there is a league that is sponsored by Investec, I think. Yeah. And obviously it's getting more coverage and there's big tournaments happening here yeah. and there's still no professional... No, so they get essentially contracted fund for the GB players, but that's National Lottery. Mm. So that's National Lottery funding. And so it's you don't get any employer's rights. There's no kind of, you know, pensions. There's no, you couldn't have maternity pay or anything like that. If you want to have a baby, that's it. You're off, you're out. You know, good luck trying to get back in. It's Still? Yeah, I think somebody did, I think maybe one of the Winter winter Olympians, I think maybe did try and... That is starting it. to change, but... Yeah. It, but when you're in a team sport, if you take time out, mm. then you're going to have to prove your place to yeah, get back course, in anyway. Yeah. And so it's um, it's a difficult subject. In, you know, you're going to take it into your own hands whether you're going to get back into that team anyway. So for for women to choose to have a, a a child, you you know what the risks are in terms of potentially not being able to play again. Mm. Um, I suppose that's true of any sport, really, isn't it? it yeah. But yeah, really I guess so. Fund yeah, if you're Serena Williams, you've got a couple yeah. more quid than uh, yeah. than someone on a on a lottery grant. Yeah. All athletes have to be super dedicated because there's always going to be someone who's going to come and take your place. Yeah. But if you're working it around a full time job, well, no. Well, to be fair, we were full time. So mm. for the London Olympics and for the Rio Olympic Games, we were training full time, and we had a, enough money to live off with a little bit of extra sponsorship and a little bit of extra like coaching work, try and do in schools or something like that, just to make up the money. We see ourselves as being very lucky because mm. of what we had in the past. We didn't have that. And as a minority sport, you know, for us to be able to, to train full time mm. was the best opportunity that we could have ever hoped for. Well, this is sort of the point as well about the sort of vicious circle of it all as well, isn't it? In that, obviously, if you have full time athletes yeah. who do that as their job, then they're going to get increasingly good the talent pool is going to develop it's going to be more entertaining to watch more people will want to watch it more stadiums will be filled more sponsors will get involved but you actually have to make that investment up front to see that happen yeah and I do think we are starting to see that with particularly football and cricket yeah so their men's sports have got money they've Mm. got a lot of money and they are starting to very slowly feed it into the women's Mm. game and you can, you know, the, the figures that are going to watch now, football and cricket, is high. It's yeah, good. It's really positive. Particularly recently, it's just done another big jump, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Over the, the football you were talking about. Oh, the well, FA Cup. Yeah, the the FA women's Cup. FA yeah. Cup final yeah. had... So last year, it was 35,000. That was a record-breaking audience. And this year, it was 45,000. So that's a huge leap. Yeah. When you consider, you know, that... And, that, and that's like the third year at Wembley, mm-hmm. I think it was. So obviously you're not yeah. filling out Wembley yet, but in a few years' time, that is probably going to be happening if it you know continues to grow at that rate. So yeah, really, really big. And some of the teams like Man City mm. are doing like really, really mm. good things to get 
people to go and watch their women's team as well. But then you look at like Man United, they've only just got their first, you know. I know. I'm a Man United fan, and it oh, really, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> it breaks my heart, and I, and I think Manchester City have done just done an amazing thing. Not just with the, I think with the, what they've done, the women's team is amazing, but just generally with the community, with the youth and the club, it, it, they just seem to like doing it right. They care about the people. I just think Man United is just about money. It's mm. about making yeah. money for the well, it's owners. genuine isn't it at Man City it's and you genuine. can feel it and, and they're getting the success because of it the mm. women's team train in the same place as the men's team yeah. they're the best women's team in the country right now so it's not no coincidence well it, the other thing they're doing is most of the uh, women's football teams will play in a completely different space to where the men play because obviously you can't justify opening like the Emirates Stadium at the weekend for 2,000 people it just didn't make any sense but that means that Arsenal women are playing out in like Boreham Wood like in the like arse end of Hertfordshire and no one knows about it and no one can get there but Man City they all train and play in the same complex so if you have a load of guys there watching the football on a Saturday if there's a women's match on afterwards they try to be like hey why don't you like just pop down there afterwards and see another game of football for like a fraction of the cost or whatever so it's really like and that's the kind of thing yeah that needs to happen given how expensive it is to go and see a football match if your kid just wants to go to that ground that is the way for you to get in the door isn't it oh, yeah. and say this is we're going to see a great football match. You won't know who anyone is, but, but you hockey, know hockey guys. Yeah, hockey, sorry. Yeah. Chat about hockey. <laughs> hockey yeah. Can you say there's a World Cup coming up? There is. Yes. <laughs> Give us your yeah. top tips for how to enjoy the hockey World Cup. Yeah, I think there's tickets still available, so I would definitely come down. So it's at the Legacy Venue, so where the London Olympics were. They couldn't have the hockey pitches there, so they've moved it like just across the A12. I think it is. It's still attached to the Olympic Park though, and it's going to be massive. I think there's a 10,000 seat stadium. I think they put up. It's going to be a massive um, spectacle tater venue with a big screen and there's I've heard there's some big like inflatable slide shenanigans yeah. I'm sold <laughs> yeah uh, yeah. so even if you don't have a ticket you can go down go to this spectator venue it's yeah. kind of just a little bit away from the um, kind of like from a Hill equivalent yeah yeah. Yeah, a yeah. Bit, yeah and so you know there'll be some people who've got the, the tickets for the session before the England game and that so they might just hang around and hopefully stay and watch it with everyone else in the in the village so yeah I mean it's it's going to be an amazing event you know as soon as the tickets went on sale I think they sold about 80,000 yeah. wow. and we've already sold more than the ticket amount of tickets that were sold for the Cricket World Cup last summer so Woo-woo. yeah the stadiums are going to be full and yeah the atmosphere is going to be brilliant and we're really looking forward to it as a, a gambling woman myself mm. where would I be wise to think about putting my money you're always always safe bet I'd say the Dutch and Argentinians are going to be in and around the medals I was just having a look earlier there's only ever been four winners the Dutch have won it seven times out of 13 so but but famously you did beat them at the Olympics we did with that in mind what do you think England's chances are yeah good I think they've got a good group I think they're going to have to play well in the group so they've got India who else they got? Ireland. Uh, Ireland and USA. Yep. So that'll be quite testing. Um, but if they come out of that well, I think they'll have some good momentum to go and go into the knockout or the quarterfinal phases. And then it's then it really is anybody's. I think strength and depth in women's hockey has just grown to the point where 
get to that quarterfinal stage, you think, well, actually, anyone's in with a shout here. We just have to keep that positive momentum and stay focused. Yeah, I do think one of the things, really good positives for the England team is that the coach, Danny Kerry, is obviously really experienced now. And how we managed to win the Olympics was through very structured process of, of how to play each game tactically we know that Danny's going to set up his team to go out and play each opposition the best way possible um, so even though they're not as experienced they will you know have the best plan in place to try and beat that and um, can we watch it on telly you can yeah BT Sport are going to show all the games they've got some old retired ladies back in to uh, to help with the commentary and the punditry oh. is, that, is that you mate that yeah. is we've got a job we've been yeah. signed up to um, and Sam Quirk and Krista Cullen as well and um, yeah it's going to be they, they do it really well I think Chris Hollins is hosting it and yeah they get they get all the analysis and all the kind of interaction with the crowd and the players and everything so it'll be it'll be good few tears I'm sure I'll cry yeah guaranteed a couple of Prosecco headaches oh yeah (laughs) I'm gonna say something really simple I really like the noise of a hockey match I love the it sounds like proper scrapping with sticks I was gonna say as well as your um as well as all the training you have to do you have to be pretty hardy as well don't you because there I remember in the um I can't remember who it was someone basically got like a stick in the face and had to go off and then, and there was someone else in Rio who like had a jaw broken in the first, not Rio, in London. London. Helen is pissing herself <laughs> because it was Kate. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> that idiot got jaw broken. It was you that got yeah. your jaw broken in the first yeah. game. But didn't you come back on and play again later in the tournament? Yeah, I missed two games, had surgery, had some metal plates put in. Amazing surgeon at the Royal London uh, East London. He put a couple of metal plates in and got me back out there. You are hardcore. That is true. Yeah, don't mess. No, I look like a moomin. And yet men (laughs) footballers throw themselves on the ground when someone, like, tickles near them. (laughs) It's It's unbelievable. That is a very lazy rhetoric, Hannah. It's a bit more nuanced than that. They're that, running very fast. Yeah, there's very still fast. a lot of diving princesses. There is a the lot of diving as well. I wanted to ask you actually about the show up campaign. I think that there is a bit of a difficulty with that campaign in that it puts the onus on women to be interested in sport rather than on the industry to make sport interesting to women. Yeah, I think the campaign is is for everybody. So I think it's supposed to be across gender. But yes, I think you're right. In some ways, it has kind of fallen on, hey, women, show up and support women a little bit. But I don't think that was the aim of the campaign. I think Women's Sport Trust also try and talk a lot with corporates, and they do do a lot of stuff around trying to maximise that potential as well and getting people to actually put their money where their mouth is. So they do a lot of work with BMY Mellon, who help with the... Boat race, and they work with Investec, who support, who sponsor the hockey and things like that. And they put, they have the awards on to kind of celebrate all the great stuff that is happening. Yes, I went to them. Yes, oh, it was really great, and it was really, you know, it was really nice to see how much progress is being made because it was pretty obvious from what they were saying. Like I only read the paper at the weekend, and I buy the newspaper, and I'm like, any women's sport? Is you know, is anyone playing any sport out there? Oh, oh it's terrific! It wouldn't isn't have it? a clue. Yeah, the newspapers are awful, aren't they? Wouldn't have a clue. And so, yeah, we're trying to, like, elbow our way in, aren't we, with various... Sounds like a hockey player to me. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) sharpen them up with the old... uh, Yeah, and... Because I think that is what... There's still lots of people get their sport that way. We we need TV, we need radio, we need... We do need paper, newspapers and magazines as well because people still get their sport that way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, people buy papers for sport, don't they? Yeah, we just buy newspapers in general because they're on on their... 
you both I mean you are married and you are you are very openly out and we were all delighted for you and and actually the media tended to cover it as a really positive thing you know we've got a married couple Mm. in this team and hooray how do we get that attitude to move towards gay men in sport that's the big question (laughs) yeah I think there's so much pressure and I think it was recently, I don't know if it one of the papers, one of the tabloids was covering like a kind of um, scandal story about we're going to, you know, basically out, try and out this one footballer. And it's the, the terror and the fear that must be amongst that community. Because Helen said to me the other day, quite rightly, that there will be players who are out with their families and friends, but just not out in the newspapers yeah. or in the public. And, you know, that's their right. If they want to keep their private life private, that's absolutely their right. But the, there is so much pressure now. It's just been built up, particularly in football. You know, I think we've had, you know, the likes of Tom Daly and Mark Foster be open and talk. And they've been, you know, really positively, they get the odd people being ridiculous and just block them but on the whole it's been positive but it's it's just about I think having allies just normalising it and talking about it as much as possible I think well your work with the Lily Whites I think is really good yeah so I'm a patron of the proud Lily Whites which is the LGBT plus supporters group for Spurs hey there's a, a growing number of those kinds of supporters groups for the clubs around the country and yeah it's the question we get asked all the time because you know being a gay man there's a lot of things associated with that which don't fit with masculine footballers to change that rhetoric is challenging but yeah the the growing awareness I mean the the rainbow laces campaign actually Mm -hmm. I I thought felt bigger this year I did think it felt like it was starting to include actually the the football teams, the the, the mm. kind of first team players, um, which I didn't really feel as much over the last few seasons. And so, yeah, I think it's it's just continuing to. I don't know the answer, but I think it's continuing to just show that it's okay. Yeah, I wish a podcast but, could pick up on Helen's brilliant eye roll when she went <laughs> masculine footballers. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, we don't like being pigeonholed. Is there so much well, pigeonholing going on? Like, stereotyping. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. People do love to put someone else oh, in a box, yeah, don't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. If you're a you know male athlete, you must be like this. If you're a female athlete, you must be like this. And it's changed over the years, but it's still, still the same. Do you get that actually with hockey? Because it is quite violent. People, you know, there, there was a lot of fuss about women being boxers. Like, oh my goodness, no, that couldn't possibly happen. Was it? Does hockey get that same sort of image? Don't think so. Yeah, it's always been. Well, hockey was kind of viewed. I'm going to do an eye roll again now. A girls' sport. She did. Um, It was well good. (laughs) She did that little thing. She did little rabbit's ears as well. Yeah. And so boys get you know the Mickey taken out of them for playing hockey, and it's it. You know, we've already established that it's a very physical sport. You can get hurt quite badly in it, which is kind of nothing to do with anything anyway. Yeah, why do we pigeonhole? Can't people just be what they want to be? Why can't we all just get along, guys? (laughs) (laughs) World peace. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us.